If you don't know me, I'm Gus, and I've been coming to Grace Church for about six years. Came as a student, as a fresher, and so, yeah, this October, it will be six years at Grace Church. I married my wife. Where is she? There she is. And we lead a home group in Woolerton. Uh, it's my privilege this evening to continue our series, our series through Mark, looking at dif- different encounters with Jesus. It's called When Jesus Met, and tonight I'll be speaking on When Jesus Met Legion. Ooh, ooh. That's in um, Mark chapter 5, so if you've got a Bible or a device with a, with a Bible app, I'd recommend you get that open in front of you. Let me give you a bit of context for where we are in Mark. Mark's been, uh, Jesus has been baptised in the Jordan by John the, Bapti- by, by John the Baptist. He's been commissioned by the Father and the Spirit into his ministry. He's been teaching that the kingdom is at hand. He's been healing the sick. He's been casting out demons and calling his followers, as Rosie looked at last week, come follow me. And just before this chapter, um, Jesus has got into a boat with his followers. He's crossed um, the Sea of Galilee. And as they've been crossing, the, the sea is whipped up and there's been a storm. And Jesus has shown that he has all power over the elements, over the chaos of the waters, And he's calmed the storm. And we were left with a question at the end of chapter 4. Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? That's the question that the disciples are are putting uh, to the reader. Who is this then that even the wind and the sea obey him? So let's continue to our passage today. Mark chapter 5 verse 1 to 20. Let me read it. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart, and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. And night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when they saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, what is your name? He replied, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. And they begged him, saying, send us to the pigs, let us enter them. So he gave them permission. And the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs, and the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country, and the people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had the legion, sitting there, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. 
And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. And he did not permit him, but said, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how much he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. Wow, what a passage. Let me pray. Father God, I thank you that you reveal who you are in the scriptures. I thank you that you're going to tell us about who you are tonight. Lord, I pray that you'd help us, help me as I speak to speak clearly. Lord, I pray that you'd help us all to hear what you have to say to us. Open our ears to hear your good news tonight. Open our hearts to be receptive to what you have to say to us. Encourage and challenge us, I pray. Amen. So Jesus has sailed across the Sea of Galilee with his disciples. He's demonstrated he has power over all creation by calming the storm. But as Jesus jumps ashore, he's met by a man. He's described as out of the tombs with an unclean spirit. Or as he's described later, demon-possessed. If you want a quick definition of a demon, a demon or an unclean spirit, as it's also named in this passage, is a real spiritual power that can affect us. Can you picture this man with this unclean spirit with me? Maybe you've got an image in your head, in your mind, uh, mind's eye. He's dirty. He's got long, matted hair. He's got crooked rotting teeth. He smells of death. He's just got a horrible scowl on his face. He's scary. Let's see the verses and how they describe him. Mark repeats, he lived among the tombs. This is verse 3 if you're following along. He lived among the tombs. It's as if he's dead already. Or he might as well be. Sheltering in the holes that have been dug out of the rock for the corpses. He's an outcast of society. He's not only possessed with an unclean spirit, but he lives in an unclean place, a place of the dead. This person, this man, is so overcome by the power of evil, he might as well be dead. Going on, and no one could could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he had often been bound by shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart and he broke the shackles into pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. This isn't actually a story about Jesus breaking physical chains, because the physical chains have been broken already. They've been broken by the power of the evil in the man. This man's probably malnourished. He's not not got a shred of muscle on him. He's definitely not been lifting weights in the gym. He's physically weak, Yet the spiritual power in him, the spiritual power of the unclean spirit, makes him break the chains. The chains that are there for the protection of those around him, they've been broken by the power of the unclean spirit. 
Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. What a state this man is in. He's in emotional turmoil. He's been self-harming. He's completely, visibly and audibly broken by this demon. He's completely cut off from society. He's living an isolated life in the mountains and the tombs. He has no friends or community because of how damaging the power of the demon is. His relationship with the unclean spirit means that all his other relationships have been broken. All this antisocial behavior, pain, and destruction has been caused by the demon's slavery. It's just a horrible situation. And maybe you think this is, this is alien to us. Maybe this is such a horrible picture. It's so alien. But as I was preparing, I realized this man's situation is actually closer to home, to our situation, before we met Jesus. It's actually quite a good picture of our spiritual state before we meet Jesus. So the Bible describes that before we meet Jesus, it's like we're on the road to death. It's as if we're among the tombs already, and that the Bible describes that death is the ultimate end for those who haven't met Jesus. This means that even as a Christian, you might sometimes look around you and think, what's this for anyway? What's my purpose? What's the point if we're all just going to death? Paul also says in his letters that we're slaves of sin, slaves of the evil inside us, just as this man is enslaved by the demon and can't do anything else. That's the way the Bible describes our relationship to sin. I don't know whether you've ever felt trapped by sin, trapped in a behavior that you can't break, trapped in a habit that you can't get out of. That's the real power of evil in our world. Thirdly, sin isolates us. It breaks our relationships. It sometimes even makes us hate ourselves. It's completely antisocial. Sin breaks trust. It tears down our communities. I'm sure in your life you have had some relationships that have been broken by sin. Maybe that's family or friends, or the relationship between you and your colleagues, or you and your bosses. That's all part of Satan's plan, to divide us and to bring conflict. Before the man in this story met Jesus, evil had the power over us, over him. Before we meet Jesus, evil and sin has power over us. Don't worry, it gets less depressing. Um, There we go. That's the depressing first bit. Let's go on. Um, Jesus seems to leave the disciples behind, mooring up the boat, maybe bringing in the sails, coiling up the ropes. They're looking on and waiting for the drama to unfold. Boy, does it. Let's read on. Uh, Verse 6. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. 
and crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? He replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. And they begged him, saying, Send us to the pigs, let us enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs. And the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country. And the people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man and the one who had the legion sitting there, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. The man sees Jesus and seems to recognize him. And as he approaches Jesus, Jesus sees the man, sees his condition, and immediately starts commanding the demon, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Such is the power of Jesus that the man immediately falls down at his feet. And the demon confesses Jesus as son of the most high God. Most high God is a, is a term used in the Old Testament by, by non-Jews to describe Yahweh, the God of the Bible. Though the disciples don't recognize Jesus, even after he's calmed the storm in the previous story, this spiritual power knows exactly who Jesus is. Sometimes we're blinded to the truth of who Jesus is, but this evil knows exactly the extent of Jesus' power. The demon then tries to control his future. He tries to stop the inevitable from happening. He says, I adjure you, or better, I bind you by God. Do not torment me. The demon's conjuring up all his spiritual power to try and stop his inevitable destruction. Jesus turns to him and says, he asks his name. He answers, my name is Legion, for we are many. By knowing Jesus' name, the demon has tried to assume authority over Jesus. But now Jesus knows the demon's name. The battle is all but done. Here it becomes apparent that Jesus is not only doing battle against one demon, but lots of demons. Uh, Legion is a, is a unit of the Roman em uh, army. It consists of thousands of soldiers. Mark is really trying to hammer it home. This is a huge host of evil. Jesus has shown himself to be more powerful than the elements of the sea. And now he shows himself to be more powerful than all the powers of evil. So the demons start begging, don't send us out of the country. Send us into the pigs. Let us enter them. They need a host. The demons need somewhere to live. And the pigs are perfect. Unclean animals for unclean spirits. So Jesus lets them go into the spirits. 
and they're tricked by Jesus. The 2,000 pigs and as many demons rush down the hill, down the cliff, into their destruction in the sea. Jesus' power means the complete and utter destruction of evil. Jesus' power means the complete and utter destruction of evil. Let's look at the man's condition. Verse 15 describes the man's state now. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had the legion, sitting there, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Just look at the transformation that Jesus has brought to this man's life. He's gone from being violent, agitated, he was naked, he was out of control, and now he sits at Jesus' feet with dignity, at peace, he's clothed, and he's in his right mind. See, Jesus has come for the same, in the same way for us. In this story, Jesus has demonstrated he has power to overcome the strongest evil. John describes it like this. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil and that he drives out the prince of this world. Most supremely in his death and his resurrection, Jesus has triumphed over all the powers of evil. This means we can now sit before our maker, just like the man, with dignity, at peace, and clothed in Jesus' righteousness. Jesus' victory means that we're free from the slavery to sin. And by the Spirit's help, we're able to make decisions for good and not for evil. So today, if you feel like you're struggling with evil in your life, maybe sin seems to have a hold, today there's hope because Jesus has the power over all evil. And there's a sure and certain hope for the end, that all evil will be banished one day. See, Jesus' resurrection gives us um, a certainty that a day is coming when Jesus will defeat Satan for all time and all evil will be completely destroyed. Justice will come for the oppressed and liberation will come for the captive. I can't wait for that day. Whatever your situation, Jesus has the power to change it. Whatever your situation, Jesus has the power to change it. Let's look at how the people respond in this story. Verse 16 and 17 describes how the local people respond. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. The first response is from the local people. The fig par- pig farmers, fig farmers. <laughs> That's a good one. Fig. They could be fig farmers, but they're not. They're pig farmers. They go and tell the people of the area what's happened. They see both the man and the pigs and the destruction that has ensued, and they reject Jesus. Jesus' power is scary. Just as, as it has been to the disciples on the boat, it's scary. So they beg him to leave. My good friend often thanks um, 
Jesus for dying so that we can eat bacon sandwiches. Non-Jews don't eat bacon. Uh, Jews eat bacon. Non-Jews... <laughs> for the recording, I'm looking at myself like... Jews don't eat bacon. Non-Jews do eat bacon. And the people of the, Ger- the Gerasenes are probably um, eat, eat pork because they're keeping pigs. Um, but Jesus does nothing here for bacon sandwich consumption. 2,000 pigs... That's a lot of pork. And, uh, and by my calculations, I reckon that's two million bacon butties. <laughs> Jokes aside, this is serious economic loss. It, ha- it costs. Jesus' visit to the land of the Gerasenes costs them. And so they reject him. Let's look at the response of the man now. This is in verse uh, 18 and 19. As he was getting into the boat, the man who, has been, who had been possessed with demons begged him, oh no, yeah, begged him that he might be with him. And he did not permit him, but said to him, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. Rosie spoke on Levi being called to follow Jesus last week. Now Jesus' response is quite different. Can I be with you? asked the man. Jesus has other ideas. Jesus said to him, go home to your friends. The people of your area is probably a better translation. So go home to the people of your area. Tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. What a command. I love it. This man is following Jesus, but in a radically different way to Levi. Tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. If you're a Christian today, that's someone who's had your life transformed by Jesus, who's had the power of evil broken. That's your challenge today as well. Do you know how much the Lord has done for you? Do you know how much he has liberated you from your bondage to sin? Do you know that he's relented in giving you the punishment that you deserve and instead shown you mercy? Do you know that he's lived the perfect life so that you don't have to? Do you know what Jesus has done for you? Are you ready to tell the people of your area, your friends, They'll be amazed. They'll be amazed. Have the band. Just going to read verse 20. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. <laughs> 